Planet Protein is back, Juice, and they are once again raising the bar in the world of clean nutrition. This time with a brand new organic protein shake that is sure to please everyone, from a defensive lineman to your busy family. In fact, we're enjoying Chocolate Magic right now before we hit the studio with our next guest, and it's delicious. Yeah, Chocolate Magic brings together superfoods from every corner of the globe. Cacao, reishi mushrooms, sprouted quinoa, and chia to fight depression, boost mental cognition, and improve your heart health. Even with that holistic ingredient list, the flavors out of this world. Rich, deep chocolate over an earthy, fulfilling base. The perfect blend to stay on top of your game and do what you do. Hey, that's right, Big Seth. And once again, if our listeners use the code FISHTANK, they will receive 20% off all purchases at planetprotein.com. So definitely use the Fish Tank code at planetprotein.com to take advantage of that amazing deal. And check them out on Instagram as well at planet underscore protein. You're now diving into the Fish Tank. Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, I'm up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank here on the Five Reasons Sports Network, Seth Levitt with my main man, OJ McDuffie, Juice, what is happening? What's up, Big Seth? Juice, I'm fired up. The draft is right around the corner. Sure. I don't want to say the team's tanking. I don't want to buy into that narrative. But I do know that Chris Greer, Stephen Ross, this this group has said we're going to build through the draft. I'm always excited for draft day, but I'm really excited for the next few days because that's that's what the future of this team is supposed to look like. Right, right. You know, and Brian Flores and uh, Coach Caldwell, the guys that are coming in as uh, you know the new head guys for this organization, uh, they've got a game plan. I hope so. Yeah, and you know, we we know a guy that was part of a big time game plan for a long time down here in he South Florida. He did see it get done right. He did right. He did. Yeah, that's for sure. So with the draft, you know, and and we all get excited about watching the guys get called up and who's in New York and then who are the fines and who are the steals. But what people don't understand is the work that happens behind the scenes for months and months leading up to the draft and to me there's no better way to talk about the draft than bringing in a guest that we had a popular guest that we've had yes, on the show before very popular. our first repeat guest but Stu weinstein longtime security chief for the miami dolphins is back in the tank Stu, welcome to the fish tank well thank you thank you for having me back i, I was afraid after the uh, first time <laughs> i might not get invited back so oh, you, no, you did a great done? job no, you no, killed you did a great it, job the first time that was Great stuff. Great feedback. Well, we wanted to we wanted to talk about the draft, Stu. And we know you have again, we always say you know where the bodies are buried. And you not only know where the dolphins' bodies are buried, but you knew where all the bodies were buried before we even started picking guys. And so there was no way we could talk about what the next few days are going to look like with the draft without getting some background. And, and we appreciate you coming in here and talking about it. And before we tell any story, I want to know what the intel was on Otis James McDuffie. <laughs> <laughs> the the only the only negative that I, that I remember was the fact that he was besides being an outstanding All American football player he also possibly could play professional baseball ah. and, and seriously I mean that was a concern you know you draft a guy especially in the in the first round and then you come to find out that you know he wants to play baseball and or he, or he wants to play both sports and he's not going to be around now saying that our off season wasn't wasn't then what it is now. Right. But still, you know, you'd hate to you'd hate to have OJ come in and and uh, play in in 1993 and and play as well as he played, and then in 1994 during the off season he goes crashing into the center field wall for the <laughs> at the, the Jake right, <laughs> right. And, and and he's out for the year. So that that was the only concern. Yeah, you know, I that's not so I, bad. I should, I should have let him know. After my sophomore year at Penn State, I was done with baseball. Yeah. Because, you know, California Angels had drafted me, and I told them $10,000 signing bonus is not <laughs> going to be enough because my, my family needs money right now. So I should have squashed all the baseball rumors a long time ago, Stu. But, yeah, I, I appreciate you, you know, telling them that, you know, you know he's, a, he's a football player. He's going to play oh, football. Not, not a football player, but, but again, uh, just off the field, the guy I played for, Joe Paterno, at that point was was the man in, in college football. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell the story the way things turned out <laughs> but one of the guys I talked to see, see what I try to do is besides besides the court records and the media search and and interviewing the player you know if I know somebody at a university especially somebody in law enforcement I try and reach out to them because a lot of times they'll have they'll have information that, that maybe you know wasn't a public record and at, at Penn State I didn't really have anybody up there but over a period of time we had drafted uh, Chris Conlin I think it was in 1987 and I think we had one or two other guys from Penn State that we either brought in or 
thought about bringing in. So the guy that I was talking to was Jerry Sandusky. Uh, I, he wasn't. I don't think he was on the staff anymore, but he was still up there. Yeah, somebody should have yeah. done a background check yeah. on, on yeah. Jerry. Well, no, I agree. And then what happened there, unfortunately for everybody, including Joe Paterno, was was tragic. But he also, uh, along with everybody else, he gave me a glowing recommendation about OJ. You know, another yeah. another quick story. Um, I believe one of those years before you came out, you guys played in the. Uh, it wasn't the Orange Bowl. Blockbuster Bowl. It was the Blockbuster Bowl. Uh, we were off that night. I think it was on a Thursday night or a Friday night. And the the stadium manager asked me if I wanted to work the game. I said sure. You know. So I ended up I ended up being uh, part of the contingent that escorted the Paternos to the post game the conference, which was in our locker room. Mm-hmm. Now that wasn't when <laughs> did, didn't his son or somebody get held up on the what was that? Got robbed on Fort Lauderdale Beach or something, yeah, right? I believe yeah. so. Uh, uh, Jay, I, well, I don't know if it's Jay or Scott, but one of them. But it was a, one of his sons, yes, right? And I kind of I, I got a little connection to that story as well. But was that the same time period? Yeah, I believe I believe it was. So we you weren't on that detail. Oh, when no, it, okay. no, no, no. My, my only, like I said, I worked, uh, I, I helped out at the locker room with Penn State, and then I was on the field for the game coordinating with, with uh, Miami-Dade police. And then at the end of the game, I took I took the Paternos down to our locker room for the uh, for the postgame. I think you all played uh, Bill Walsh's team. Stanford, yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, you talk about what you're embarrassed to admit, Stu. So so the the guys who, who held up Paterno's son. You knew them? I went to high school with those guys. Of course. They were, I mean, I'm very proud of Piper High. You know, I'm proud of the orange and brown of Bengal Nation. I went to high school with those guys, man. You know, we yeah. were warned not to be on the beach after yeah, dark. Yeah, man. You know, I, you know uh, <laughs> obviously Piper was roaming. <laughs> I the guess Bengals so. Were the Bengals the were roaming. Well, yeah, if, if, I'm not really proud if, of that. If, if you guys bring me back a third time, and, and we talk about our we talk about our out of country games we've had. Oh boy, I, I could tell you some great oh. stories about warnings I got. You know, both in Tokyo and in Berlin, and and especially in Mexico. Mexico we went City. Down there. They get yeah. you on the inside there. Yeah, those were oh, rough. Like, Definitely have so to get that going. We'll have to absolutely <laughs> get that one going. But we're we're here to talk about the draft today, Stu. So, and we definitely have some specifics and some guys we want to talk about and what went into those searches. But walk us through what your process was. What, what was your role in the draft process as the security chief for the Dolphins? Well, in, initially, I actually uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, in the late '70s or the early '80s, but a team I won't mention drafted a guy and uh, found out the guy was doing five years on an armed robbery, oh, and it, it wasn't a first round pick it was a fifth sixth seventh round pick i think back then the draft was 12 rounds mm-hmm. and uh but still they were you know they were embarrassed and and uh, so uh i was working with nfl security at the time and starting from that year on geographically we would do background checks no contact with the players just you know just set check public records you know media whatever whatever you could come up with and if we knew anybody at the universities they went to again geographically talk to them and and so i did that from uh whatever year that was until uh i went to work for the dolphins i kind of relied on NFL security the first couple of years I was with the Dolphins, did a couple of background checks. But the third year, David Shula, who was, at, I guess at that point, he was the uh, offensive coordinator, assistant head coach. He actually gave me 50 names and said, look, we want to do some extra stuff on these guys. And so I, I did so. And, and again, the NFL security was still doing their thing. I just kind of uh, doubled down on what they were doing. By by the next year, they were obviously, the, they were pleased with my work. That was the year we ended up taking, uh, we took John Boza, we took Rick Graff, we took Troy Stratford, and uh, Rick Raffitt had, had gotten into a fight somewhere in Pittsburgh or something and when he was home or, or on a spring break. Anyway, so, so the coaching staff was pretty excited about the work. So, uh, you know, the next year it was like 100 players. And uh, finally, I mean, it finally topped out. Now, the league would only do guys that went to the combine. So the league would do approximately, what, 300, 320 guys that actually participated in the combine. So I would do the others. But I started thinking, you know, I knew what the league was doing, and I felt like I could do more, especially if I had access to the players. And so, you know, I'd say by by 1989, 1990, I was probably doing 300. Wow. And was then, that innovative for the Dolphins I mean, in the sense that you know, were other teams doing that? Or? I, I don't know. I, I would say no. I would say I would say the other teams, I don't know if they were doing as many as I was doing, but I would say the teams were doing something. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we would have conferences that we would all go to and, you know, I would tell them, I would tell them what I was doing. Uh, some of the teams would like say that they would, you know, kind of pick my brain as to how I was doing them afterwards, but the teams were doing something. Yeah. And, and then, as I say it, once I started, I started going to the all-star games, I started going to the combine, you know, I would, I would interview a lot of players on the phone. You actually get a lot of information from your dialogue with the players because 
their agents tell them that, hey, look, you know, they're going to find out about this stuff anyway. What you need to do is you need to get your side of the story out. Because again, you you read a court record thing. A a kid gets arrested for for a fight. He got into a bar. Say he's in a bar and he gets into a fight and and he punches somebody in the face and the guy gets a broken nose. Well, that's going to be in the report. And it's going to be what the victim said. And, and, a, and a lot of times it's not what the player says. Right. And, and there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of times there's something to it. And w- w- a little bit later in the show, I'll, I'll describe one prominent Dolphin player that had that happen to him and, and why it happened. So the interviews were important. And um, again, you know, this became a, it, it's a four month process. It starts at the end of the season and it runs through a couple of weeks before, before the draft. Once free agencies got going, which was again in the, what, in the early nineties, uh, then I started doing the veteran free agents that were eligible wow. for the draft, or eligible to be signed as, as free agents, whether they were restricted or not restricted. So you know, I, I mean, I topped out one year. Uh, this is, I think it might have been, it was either maybe Drew's first year or maybe a year before Drew started. Drew Brooks being my the guy that's now doing them. It, it, I wound up doing 900. 900 background did. checks? I did I did uh, 300 veteran free agents, and I did 600 college players. Like, how in-depth is that process? Well, the in-depth thing is, like I say, you start off, you do a media search. And then you check available public records. And, and you know, mo- most states are, you know, statewide. You can do statewide checks. You can do federal checks. You can do uh, uh, municipal and, and uh, uh, county checks. And, again, they're pretty involved. I mean, you, I mean, we're not, you know, I'm not finding a cure for cancer, unfortunately, or, right. you know, solving, you know, creating world peace. But it, it, it's a pretty involved thing. And, it's a, you know, again, you have, to, you have to stay with it. And, listen, the last thing you want to have happen is either report that a player got arrested and it turned out it was his father, which happens, you know, mm. with, with juniors and the third and the fourth, sure. or not find something out about a player and, and find, out find out he's got out, a five-year sentence. And, yeah, Right, exactly. He's, well, that <laughs> wouldn't happen. Right. I mean, that, but you find out that he's, he's a pedophile. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think the, I think the free agent thing is interesting as well because, you know, a lot of times, Depending on where you're playing at, guys might get in trouble and it gets washed away. Oh. And you have to go and or, really dig deep and see if that guy is doing yeah, that all or, the time. Or the player's been with five different teams and you gotta do the searches in five different, you know, five different locations. That's wild. So give us an example of a of a guy who maybe there were concerns about and then my, you went in my, one that comes to mind immediately is Channing Crowder. You know, Channing Crowder <laughs> Channing Crowder came out. He came out in, in uh, uh, Nick Saban's first year. Well he told us about three of the arrest issues well, on this show. So well, he, again, he definitely he, had some incidents. You know, he had some incidents in Florida. You know, the the one that sticks in my mind was a guy used the you know a racial term that you don't use. That's uh, not politically correct or morally correct. And you know, Channing wound up giving that guy a good beating. Who, by the way, was joined in by his buddy. And Channing gave him a good beat. <laughs> Just for good <laughs> measure. I, I, unfortunately, on the way back to the bar that, that they were at when this thing started, Channing decided he was still wanted to fight. So he broke some uh, he broke some mirrors off and some cars, some rear view mirrors off. And that added, <laughs> that added to the charge. But my point being that because Channing had these issues up in Florida, I, I talked to some law enforcement people I knew up in Alachua County. And every one of them said, this is a good kid. This is a good kid. This is a kid you want in the foxhole with you. This is a kid that's not only going to do well for you uh, on the field, he's going to do well for you off the field. The other guy that that Coach Saban was interested in 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 this particular, I think it was the third round, I won't mention his name, but he came in for a top 20 visit, and I don't think he had anything off the field, but, you know, to be kind, he was a complete asshole. I I went to pick him up at the airport. He uh, wanted to know why we weren't leaving immediately to go to the facility. I explained to him we had we had other players who were coming in for this top 20. He he didn't want to wait. He wanted to get over to the facility immediately. In fact, he was disappointed we went to pick him up in a van instead of a limousine. (laughs) It's not a Kaiser Cruden trip. This is big time. Exactly. And then the next day, I went to get the guys at the hotel, and uh, I forgot I either had to wake him up or he was asleep on the couch in, in the lobby of the hotel. Now, Channing would have probably gone out all night as well. I'm not going right. to say Channing w- would have been home, you know, studying his playbook, but Channing would, would not have been sleeping. I wouldn't have had to wake him up, and he certainly wouldn't have been sleeping on the couch. And so you made you said, hey, I recommend well, this guy I, over. My, my policy in my entire time with the Dolphins was when I was asked, I would give an opinion. If I wasn't asked, I wouldn't give an opinion. So you're just providing written reports? I, I'm rep- providing written reports. I would usually 
usually about one or two weeks out from the draft, I would have a meeting with with the decision makers. The last group I would have met with would have been Adam Gase, Chris Greer, and Mike Tannenbaum. That would have been 2016 because Drew came in in June of 2016. 17, 18, I just provided information to Drew and he would he would have this meeting. So the decision makers were who I, I would wind up meeting with. A couple of times it was kind of a meet the press thing where I was in there with, with the owner was in one year on, on a player that I recommended that we didn't take and should have. Because again, this off the field thing he was accused of, he didn't do. Got you. And and but usually it, w- it would be usually be two or three guys. Initially, it, it was just Don Shula, and again, whoever was in charge of, of of you know personnel under under Coach Shula. But the year with Channing, it, I met with uh, with Coach Saban. I think Rick Spielman was still here, and and I told him, I said, you know, they asked me about the two players, and I told him, I said, you know. If you're asking me, I think I think Channing's gonna you know would, would be a better fit, and I explained to him why. Hey, Juice, the only thing better than looking clean is looking clean on your own time. No doubt about it, Big Seth, and that's why I always call my man Ara at AT Dry Cleaners anytime I need my clothes laundered or dry cleaned. Tell him exactly why you call Ara because AT offers free pickup and delivery at your home or office, so you've never had the inconvenience of trying to find time to take your dry cleaning somewhere. They bring it to you. That's exactly right, Juice. You can walk into their Fort Lauderdale location, but AT serves Miami Dade, Broward, and the Southern Palm Beaches with their convenient pickup and delivery services, which also include alterations, shoe repair, and more. And AT is a family owned company, and they've been in business since 1980. 1980. Yeah, and you know what? That means customer service is their priority. So call Ara today at 954 610 9383. That's his personal cell we're giving you. Or you can visit drycleanertoyou.com to start making your life and your dry cleaning a lot easier. And make sure you tell them that the fish tank sent you because Ara, my man is giving our listeners 50% off your first order. How much? 50. Half. Seth. Half. And 25% off any dry cleaning services after that. A&T Dry Cleaning, the official dry cleaners of the fish tank. Yeah, Stu, I don't think you can underestimate the importance of, of what you were doing, for one, but down here in South Florida. Because South Florida, there's a lot more that these guys can get into. Young guys, you talk about veterans as well, but coming out of draft, you got to, I mean, you got to really do your due diligence because South Florida is a troublemaker, in my opinion. No, no question about it. And, and uh, again, if, if, you, if you take a kid, especially a kid from here, if you take a kid that grew up here and, you know, he, he's got a, a group around him, an entourage, whatever you want to call it, and he's had some issues, chances are he's probably going to have some more. Yeah, I know sometimes they say it's better to get away. People always, oh, I want to play for my hometown team. Sometimes it's better to get far away. Yeah, not well, South Florida, though. So uh, a couple guys that come to mind that I have questions about, some who became Dolphins and some who didn't. Uh, one that, you know, had a lot of, uh, issues off the field and actually they've made 30 for 30 documentaries ESPN has, and, and he just got inducted into the hall of fame now, however many years later, but was Randy Moss. So I remember when Randy Moss, you know, he had the whole Florida state thing and then Marshall, he had to go to Marshall because of different issues and arrests. And he, he was like, I, I don't know when you, I, I don't even know who to compare him to now. Maybe the way they talk about Zion Williams and basketball. I mean, Randy Moss was the, the highlight reel Correct. A, at that time in college for his position, his size, his speed, unprecedented. And the things he was doing on the field, right. It was just unbelievable. And you know, Jimmy had a reputation of being able to handle kind of the maverick guy. Uh, we, we needed a big playmaker on on offense, Juice will tell you how many struggles we had yeah. uh, with the offense at that point in time. And I think a lot of people wanted Randy, but then there was the whole South Beach question. You know, what? T- talk to us about what your process was there. I know some people accused Jimmy of trading out of that pick so he wouldn't be forced to have to make the Randy Moss decision. But what what was your role in all of that? Well, again, the you know the public records. Um, I believe I interviewed Randy up at up at the combine, and uh, frankly, I like the kid. I, I I know again he he got into one. One of the fights he got in where he really gave this guy a good beating like Channing did to the to the guy that, that he beat up or the, or the guys he beat up. Uh, again, there was a there was a racial thing thrown in there. And, and, and look, I'm not saying, you know, I know you're supposed to walk away and I know you. But but again, listen, you know, I grew up Jewish and at, at 19, 20 years old, if uh, up at Florida Atlantic, you know, playing no sports, uh, you know, some guy walked up to me in a bar or whatever and called me a kike. We, we probably would have fought. Now I might have got my ass kicked. I might not have. But I but doubt it, that. But but again, <laughs> I, I, I know Stu's with a lot of ass. But, man. but my, 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 my point. We, we being, can play that back on this show. You know, my point being, hey, un, unless you're African American, it, it's hard to, to justify taking it and walking away. And and that was one of Randy's issues. You know, he had a marijuana issue. But and again, I'm not I'm not going to defend. You know, Jimmy did a great job defensively for us the four years we were here. He was here. 96 through 99. You know, offensively, 
I'm sure he'd tell you he didn't he didn't do that great of a job. But I think I think the fact we had taken Yatiel Green the year before and Yatiel had gotten hurt, but I think the the thought process was Yatiel was going to be back for the '98 season. And, and was going to be able to play. And I, if I'm wrong about this, correct me. But I think I think uh, Randy Moss came out in '98. I think a year after Yatiel. I don't remember if it was '98 or '99. But but, uh, but the point is, I know the point we took is, Larry Shannon that year. Well, I was just going to say, nice if, kid. I, I promise you, if Jimmy had it to do over again, Randy Moss would have been a Dolphin. That would have been great for number one. It would have been great for Jimmy because he probably would have lasted a couple more years. It would have been great for Dan Marino. Because throwing to him along with, with OJ and the other guys we had, we probably have a Super Bowl ring. And it would have definitely been great for Stuart Weinstein, who worked for the <laughs> Dolphins for 34 years without getting a Super Bowl ring. So, and, and Larry Shannon, God bless him. He was a, he was a country kid from Stark, Florida. I think he went to East Carolina. Yep. Uh, I, I don't remember him ever getting on the field in a, in a regular season game. Nope. You know, Jimmy, again, you know, you, sometimes you say things publicly you wish you hadn't said. I think at one point, Jimmy actually <laughs> tried to compare uh, a Larry Shannon along with along with uh, he did. W- with Randy Moss. And I, again, it was it, it's just like, listen, you want to fast forward, go to 2001. And and again, OJ still with the team. I believe, Seth, you're with the team. Oh, yeah. Sean, were you with, still with no, the team? No, I didn't make it through the okay, 2000 season. Well, <laughs> well, if you were, if you were, we had a chance to draft Drew Brees. This is a guy with absolutely zero issues off the field. And and our personnel department, headed up by Rick Spielman, were salivating about getting this kid. And everything seemed to be a go, go, go until one of our coaches, the offensive coordinator, good guy, but obviously didn't know what he's talking about, convinced our head coach, Dave Wanstead, that Drew Brees wasn't tall enough to play quarterback in the NFL. So he gave Sam and Pat Jamar Fletcher. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. Just, hey, just looking back. But but going through that, so you did your research. You spoke to Randy, and your report basically said, "Yeah, I, I don't remember nothing Again, to really be worried you know, about here." Uh, what they have Drew doing now that I never had to do. Drew actually puts grades on these guys. I never had to do that. But I would write a little summary. You know, not with every player, but I would write a little summary. But a guy like and, that, yeah, I mean, guy, right? And and I remember the summary said that that I thought he was a good kid. As a matter of fact, I think I think he's from uh, I think he was from Florida. Randy Moss. West Virginia He's from kid. West Virginia, oh, okay. but West he Virginia. went to okay. Florida State That's right, he went to Florida State. That's right. Okay. And then had okay. kind of some issues there. But yeah, he, so Randy he played with uh, White Chocolate, right? He, he did in high, high school, school with Jason with Williams. Williams. Yeah. And I think I think he did he end up, he ended up at Marshall, right? Correct. With Chad Pennington. Correct. He, did, he ended yeah. up with Chad Pennington. Yeah, probably yeah. helped. Who also, also by the way, when he was here, he told me what a great guy he thought Randy was. Yeah. And Randy did have some issues, right? He had some issues in Minnesota and and so he there were some things that followed him and he had some growing up to do. And South Beach might have been different than playing in Minnesota. No, so, no. I mean, right, well, right place, right coach, what, right quarterback at that time. Yeah. yeah, you're right. But, but again, you say South Beach might have been different. You know, the good ship lollipop that Minnesota went through happened up in Minnesota. <laughs> it, didn't happen. it didn't happen. Yeah, but it was a Miami Beach. kid who booked yeah. that trip, well, though. whatever. Actually, actually, he was from – he wasn't from Miami. He's actually from Orlando. Oh, well, there, there you go. <laughs> but, close but, enough. But, you know, you know again, you know, one, you know, one point I want to make, and, and this is with all the drafts. I mean, I, I in preparation for this, I went back and looked through all the drafts from the time that I, I started, 1985, through uh, last year, 2018. And, you know, you – you're not going to hit home runs with every one of these players. The, the New England Patriots, who have been by far the most dominant team through, from from what 2001 through this last yeah, exactly. year, you know, hopefully not anymore. Now that we have Brian Flores and other coaches from from the team, but they've been the dominant team. And you look at their drafts; they, they've had they've had some misses too. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about seventh round. I'm talking about second round. But again, if you can, what Chris is trying to do now. What Brian Flores is trying to do now, if you can build through the draft, you've got a much better chance of having not just success for one year, but success over a period of time. We can only hope. We can I, only I hope. I think, yeah. I mean, I, and that, that has been the formula. You know, we, we've gone out there and got some free agents, and you, you're missing the draft. When you're missing the draft, especially in the first couple of rounds, usually your team is stuck. But when you're able, you're, you're able to make up for it with some later-round draft picks that fit well like they've been able to do, man, it's, they've been uh, – They've been they've been lucky. Blessed. Well, they had they've a six round pick that really panned good. out pretty well yeah, for them, right. and the he's rest right. of it kind of all started to look he's good. Right. And 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 again, you know, you know, Jimmy Johnson, uh, you know, he said many times. It, it, by the time he got here, I, I think we were down to like seven picks. I think the draft was down to seven picks. That's right. And he said, he said, it doesn't matter if you hit first, second, third, as long as you hit. Mm-hmm. If you hit five, six, and seven, and, and they end up being good players, Zach Thomas, you know, uh, Jason Taylor, third round, it doesn't matter. And, and matter of fact, Jimmy's first year, he shocked the world. He cut a couple of defensive backs he drafted. 
Dorian Brew and Kirk Pointer. He yeah. cut them before we even before the season even started. And uh, one of them was a second round pick. One of them was right. a second Kirk, round. Yeah, right. Was a second round pick. But he was gone early. You know, sending a message right there too, boy. Yeah, you it know, was. He, he just didn't care. Where it really comes back to bite you is when you trade up to get a guy. And and he doesn't mm. pan out, and and that's happened. We've a had a few of those. Yeah, yeah we definitely have. So speaking of Jimmy, and I'm gonna, you know, we talked about not drafting Randy Moss, but a guy he did draft. Now later round, right? It was a whole different situation, and it was a guy that well, well Cecil Collins. You know, I, I don't want to beat well, around the bush here. Let me let me let, let me tell you what happened that uh, that year. This was Jimmy's going into Jimmy's last year, and uh, the whole theme of the draft that year. We had drafted John Avery the year before, and you know he was okay. He wasn't, you know, he was a stand up comic now. I think, and, and it's <laughs> I think he got in. Stand up comedy, and we still had we still had Kareem Abdul Jabbar, who I thought was a was a solid back. Uh, we had Stanley Pritchett, who I thought was a solid back. And I mean, I say what I say, I thought. I mean, look, you know, look look at what they did on the field, and and they were solid backs. We had signed Tyrone Wheatley in the off season, and and he ended up we ended up letting him go. He goes out to the uh, he goes out to the Raiders, and I think he rushed for had a, great a thousand yards. Yeah. We let Terry Kirby go, who was out with the oh, Raiders that was rushing. Early. Rushing and catching for for a thousand yards. So anyway, the theme was we've got to get a back. We've got to get a back. So Jimmy's plan was to try to move up and get Edgerton James. That was a guy that he wanted. But again, while you know, well, my research is on doing background checks. His research is is checking around to see you know what he can do, who he can move up, who he can trade with, and he realized he couldn't get up far enough to get Edgerton James. Unfortunately, so we ended up taking. I think we took James Johnson. We took Rob Conrad, again, both decent NFL players. We come in the last day, the last day of the draft, and we're in the fifth round. I think it was five, six, and seven. Cecil Collins, who you mentioned, he actually is, is if you walked in and looked at the board and you looked all the way at the top based on, on their player grades, forget about anything else, just the player grades, Cecil Collins had a first-round grade on him. So Jimmy figured, what the heck? You know, you know, did the guy have some issues off the field? Unquestionably. But did I know about him? Do we know about them all? Unquestionably. But the again, the thought process was we bring this guy in, take him in the fifth round, not give him a lot of upfront money, and get him into counseling. And and, and by the way, the uh, the one, I'm not sure if he was a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but the one guy that we really relied on was a guy from Louisiana, and he kind of gave him a thumbs up. He said he thought with the you know being around the right people, he he could overcome what he had done to get himself out of college football early. Yeah. So so we did. Wonder if that guy's still working. Uh, that was his last year <laughs> yeah. with us. I, we didn't. We didn't. Funny thing about it was uh, the next year he went on. He, I think he went on a show and was quoted in the paper saying that he had given Cecil a thumbs down. Really? Yeah. Now Jimmy was gone at that point, but Dave but Wanstead, he was covering his own ass. Dave Wanstead was here and he knew what the guy had said the year before. before. Right. So that guy's uh, whatever whatever dealings we had with him was was over. And unfortunately, you know, Cecil came in, it looked like a good deal at first. We went out to scrimmage the uh uh the Chargers Raiders, yeah. and and uh Jimmy or the Raiders Chargers. Were, no, no, you're, you're, right. Chargers. Chargers, you're right. And uh I still remember he put a move on Junior Seau, rest in peace that you know Junior's still trying to figure out. <laughs> I mean he just I mean it looked like we had really, you know, hit a home run with this kid. Yeah. And honestly, up until he broke his leg against Buffalo, he was doing fine. Yeah, you know, he we got hurt in, and had too much time yeah, on his he was, a, he was a hell of a football player. We had him he in really counseling was. We had him doing community service. I mean, I, I went back. I actually flew back with him once or twice for probation hearings. I mean, every, everything looked good. Well, what I'm hearing then, Stu, it's that, hey, you're, you're going to do the research. You're going to gather the information. And then it's up to the – you're mitigating risk, basically. So it's not like you didn't know that this guy came oh, in. No. With, but that's why we drafted a talented player, took a shot. Jimmy, hey, if I got to cut him, I got to cut him. Not a big deal. But let's just take a chance. Well, and let's provide resources for the kid to try and deal with the issues that we, he had in the we, past. We had him, like I said, we had him doing everything that we thought that you needed to do to keep Keep him on the field, and again, I, I honestly think if he hadn't broke his leg, uh, I, I think he might he might have still had a chance. You and, know what? Let me tell you this too: when when you get hurt in the, in the league, man, you really are isolated. You're really by yourself, and you have a lot of downtime. And for some guys, the downtime is is not good. You're right, but but again, you're, again, we the downtime. Kevin O'Neill, Kevin O'Neill, and I had we were the ones kind of in charge of of the Cecil Collins plan, and you know Kevin had him. It wasn't like he we sent him back to Louisiana. He was in. Kevin the just room. shit himself right now that he, he got. He, he was <laughs> in on that. He, like like he was in he was in the uh, in the training room every day. He wasn't out for the season. He had broke a bone in his leg. Where right. if we made the playoffs, which I think we did, he he ended. I think up, he had he to stay home for. Is that what you say? Yeah, he, he would he would have come trip. back. He, he would have uh, he would have come back for the playoffs. And listen, if it was my daughter or my granddaughter, what Cecil's kind of his shtick was, I wouldn't want the guy around either. And again, Jimmy told him, if, if this happens, you're out of here. Well, it did, and he was. Yeah. Right. 
And, and by the way, did 15 years. He did, he did the yeah. entire 15 years. Yeah, there are, there, are, there are some tough situations, some of these guys. And like we talk about, the South Florida factor doesn't help either. And you talk about a couple guys in free agency as well. What about another guy that we actually, you know, didn't draft but ended up signing as a free agent, Lawrence Phillips? Well, that, that's even, I mean, that that's as sad as, as, uh, as, as Cecil's deal. I mean, Cecil's deal, again, really, really hurt me personally because, like I said, I was with the guy pretty much all day, every day. But in Lawrence's case, uh, Lawrence had been a number one draft pick by the Rams. I had researched him coming out. We weren't going to get him. He was like the fifth or sixth guy coming out in, in 1996, and we were coming off of a playoff season. So we weren't we weren't going to get him uh, so anyway. So uh, Lawrence goes to the Rams, and and you know Lawrence had issues, many 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 issues. Uh, the Rams ended up uh, putting him on waivers, I believe, and we took him off waivers. He finished up the 1997 season with us, and the plan was, you know, going into '98, you know, he'd be competing for again trying to find this back that could you know take some of the pressure off of our passing game. We had Kareem, but but Lawrence, I believe, was a different kind of back. Mm-hmm. He was more of a, a of a pounding, guy. a physical yeah. big back. Well, we, we start camp the next year, and actually, Lawrence did okay that offseason. Uh, we start camp the next year, and Lawrence has a bad morning practice, and so he gets demoted in the afternoon. And then uh, uh, that evening, uh, Jimmy comes down to, to my office and says, uh, you need to go find Lawrence Phillips. He had disappeared. He, in other words, he wasn't in the meetings. So uh, through his agent, I was able to track him down. He had actually had, had packed up and left. He decided he wasn't he wasn't going to play because he had been demoted. Uh, his room at the hotel was cleaned out, at least half of the room. So when I finally found him, he, he just said, he said, I don't want to play. So so we obviously we put him on waivers. I think he ended up going to play in Europe. And then he came back and I, actually he was a player of the year in Europe. He was. And then he came back and he played with the 49ers for a while. But the difference, if you want a comparison between Lawrence and Cecil, Cecil was very, very engaging. And, and again, it was I, a lot of fun. Believe me. I'm not I'm not making light of what he did. What he did was was not the thing you want anybody to do. And certainly if you're the female, you don't want a female to have that done to her. But but in Lawrence's case, Lawrence was was a, was an angry young man. You know, he had grown up in an orphanage, not that other players hadn't. He had walked in on his on the love of his life in Nebraska and and found her he thought about ready to have sex. It turned out it wasn't that. Matter of fact, the, the guy she was sitting on the bed with was Scott Frost, who's now the head coach at Nebraska. Wow. So, so they got into a fight, and, and then Lawrence grabbed a hold of her and smashed Holy her head smokes. into some mailboxes. And, and uh, anyway, but Lawrence was just angry. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, when he was done with football, the anger didn't go away. He ended up, I believe, he, he went to prison for uh, driving a car around a, a public park chasing some kids who had made yeah. fun of him in yeah. a flag football game and you know went to prison and ended up allegedly killing his his roommate and then killing himself taking his own yeah. life man oh man that's i mean fortunately we haven't had a whole lot of those type of stories but again i guess that's a set of circumstances and, and like you said he somebody else had to take that big risk and and, and did and, and drafted him by the time that we made a decision to bring him in the risk was minimal and i guess that was really jimmy's yeah jimmy's, jimmy's thing philosophy. was again jimmy would bring jimmy was believed in second chances don shula believed in second chances we you know the coach shula brought in he brought in thomas henderson who had a bunch of a bunch of issues with the dallas cowboys a hollywood player hollywood henderson i mean you know every coach i've work with i'm sure if i thought i thought about it it's taken on a what you might want to call a project but again you know you hope that you hope that that the guy obviously if the guy can get on the field and help you win games that's what you're being paid to do and hopefully you can make you know you can make an impression on the guy and, and the kid's life and and uh you know maybe he'll straighten himself out you know so how often do they have to take that chance on risk versus reward you know when the talent outweighs the possible problems or vice versa, where you know it's too many problems for this guy's talent level. Do ever is that ever considered when it comes to? Oh, I think I think that's yeah. I think that's the uh, probably the most important thing you're 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 weighing is is the the risk versus reward. I, I mean, listen, you know, you know, this guy didn't have didn't have a lot of issues off the field, but I'm going to tell you a great Mark Clayton story. Mark Clayton, every day when we were at St. Thomas before we came up here to to Nova, I would watch him. I would sit in I would sit in the uh, in in the locker room and watch him. And if the meeting started at nine o'clock at eight. 8.59.55, he would come slowly, come sauntering in to the meeting room, which would piss Coach Shula off to no end. <laughs> I, and, and, I, and back then I was jogging with Coach Shula, and, and he would make reference to it. You know, that SOB, Clayton, he's doing that just to piss me off. And, and Clayton did. He, he did. But, but, but. 
like OJ on Sunday, six catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns, it was worth it. So, so again, I mean, that, yeah, sure, it's risk. Now, once Coach Hula felt like he didn't need Clayton anymore, or, or I think at that point we had drafted you, I think we had brought in Irving Fryer and Mark, Mark Ingram. Ingram. Yep. And, and Tony Martin was coming into his own. You know, Tony yeah. Martin was coming into his own. So, again, he made, he made uh, uh, Mark available, and, and, you know, Mark, Mark moved on. Wow, man, that's that's crazy. So, and then the Mark decision itself, when you had Duper already, Duper's already Duper came in one year, one before, year before that. Yeah, Clayton, Clayton, right after. Well, that. understand this now. Again, this is before my time. I'm I'm with NFL Security then. Right. You know, Duper came from from uh, Northwest Louisiana State, where he was more known for being a track, track star right? than he was. He was, I think, he was a running back on the football team. And his his uh, his rookie year, which was 1982, he didn't play at all. I don't think. And as a matter of fact, because the Dolphins qualified for the Super Bowl, Ed Dubois and I, who was the other NFL security rep, we got to go out with a team for the week out in, in Southern California. And I remember watching the practices. And you know, l- listen, I was a, a mediocre offensive lineman in Miami, New Orleans. So <laughs> for me to sit there and tell you. I know what they were running on defense, but I knew one thing. I, when this kid ran, this kid was running scout team. This kid being Mark Duper, he's running past everybody. I mean, this kid could fly. So I think again, the thought process was Duper. I believe was a was a second round or a, 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 a yeah second round pick. Roy Foster was a first round pick that year. Clayton wasn't taken until the ninth round right. the next year. And and the reason that Clayton lasted so long was Kippy Brown, who later became a Dolphin coach. That was Clayton's position coach. In was Louisville. he really? Oh yeah, that was Clayton's position coach at Louisville. Wow. And while he talked Clayton up when the scouts came around, the head coach, again, because Clayton was doing the same thing back then, <laughs> showing up as the meeting would start, Clayton would come sauntering in. He told the he, truth. He didn't give him a good recommendation. <laughs> the funny thing is, is Mark actually thought there was a chance he could go in the first round. He did. So he, Mark Clayton? Mark yeah. Clayton sat on this show and said that he he sat around and was watching the, or listening to the first round of the draft, and he was following everybody. He named everybody who was Write drafted before him. And then he just decided he was tired of waiting, so he got dressed out and went out to the club. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Coach Hewlett told me a story. He said that uh, when they were getting ready to make their final cuts in 1983, and by the way, you talk about a good draft. Dan Marino, first ballot Hall of Famer. Mark Clayton should be considered for the Hall of Fame. And I believe they also took Reggie Roby, who probably should be considered for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So, you know, like like a pretty good draft. That's but, a pretty good draft. But anyway, anyway, uh, Coach Hewlett's getting ready to go out and jog. And that's when the players were staying at St. Thomas and were living in the hotel adjacent to St. Thomas. And he goes out to jog and he says, Clayton walks up to him and says, uh, hey, he goes, uh, have, you made, have you made the final cuts yet? <laughs> and Coach Hillock said, he looked at this guy like, well, no, we're still, we're still in the process of talking. He said, well, I just want to let you know, I've already told my family I made the team. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and by the way, right. and by the way, while we're on the subject of St. Thomas, um, I don't know if you all know this or not, but St. Thomas is actually where we practiced, where the Dolphins practiced from 1970 to 1993, and where I labored from 1985 to 1993. They're actually starting off, uh, starting up a football they team are. this year. We know this. Right, yeah. Priest? Yeah, yeah. I have a little inside information. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about it, Priest. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no? Uh, <laughs> well, we were there for the announcement. OJ, uh, Jason, myself, and, and Preach, we were there when they actually announced that they were bringing the team in. So it is very exciting for well, the I'm hoping I hope it works because, again, uh, you know, I spent I spent a lot of time out there uh, pretty much 24-7 as, as Drew Brooks is doing now with the Dolphins. But, you know, again, it, it was uh, – was it the state-of-the-art facility? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's what but, we but, hear. But I'll, but I'll tell you what. It, it was great. We won a lot of football games out there yeah. and, and had, a, had a lot of great times. Yeah, that was my first camp. Was out of St. Thomas, a mini camp right after the draft. Uh, I was there for a couple of days, and then I ended up staying at Duper's house the rest of the time. Uh, but yeah, it was very interesting place. But you said it best, though. A lot of games won out of that facility. And and I'll tell you, you, you talk about a bizarre start. You know, back then we would draft and we would bring the guys in, and the same night we would bring them in, we would have a banquet. We'd have our, our sports <laughs> banquet, and and these poor guys, I mean, they they'd be on a plane all day, depending on where they were coming from. In OJ's case, he flies in. His <laughs> luggage doesn't fly in. We had to take him over to a. Uh, we heard you got him all suited up, though. You suited did. Took him over to a rental place and rented a uh, rented a tuxedo yeah, for him. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sharp picture, man. I love that picture, Stu. We, we still have a you picture. You know what? Hey, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. You know, that was my first day in Miami with the Dolphins, and Stu took care of me that day. And to this day, in 2019, Stu still takes care of me, man. So you think about that. That was 1993. 
That's what Stu does with all the guys that he really loves. He'll still take care of some guys he doesn't love, but the guys that he loves, and I hope that's the case with me. Oh, man, no, definitely. That, this definitely man the case right here, man, Stu has been taking care of me since day one in South Florida. Well, it's a good thing that background check came in clean because yeah, it might have yeah. been a different story. Well, you know Juice. what? I'd, I'd have been okay, though. I'd have figured it out. I'd have figured it out. <laughs> well, that, that ended up being – that ended up being – is that the same year that same year we took Terry Kirby, right? That's exactly right. And he, the third he, so, round. I mean, again, you take you talk about two guys that were uh, – again, Terry, in my opinion, should have should have played his entire career here. But but he not only played well here and see again the, the, the thing Terry brought to the table was like Tony Nathan Terry was great coming out of that backfield right and when you have Dan Marino okay your running game may not be may not have been going that great but you had Terry Kirby coming out of the backfield and that, and that was like another receiver yeah now think when about, Terry, Terry Kirby yeah. though yeah I, well, go ahead Juice yeah I mean I heard there was controversy about his draft status because of they thought he was blind in one that out. was unbelievable <laughs> that was that was uh, Tom Bratz was in charge of the uh, was in charge of college scouting back then and by the way Tom Bratz is, is his last draft was the draft we could have gotten Drew Brees and just as Chris Greer's dad got on the table to lobby for for Tom Brady you know I know Bill Belichick likes to take credit for that but that was actually Bobby Greer who lobbied for them to take Tom Bre- uh, 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 Tom Brady in the sixth round with Terry Kirby Tom Bratz was up on the table with Drew Brees with, with Drew Brees well, anyway, so we so we draft Terry, and uh, Terry had some kind of a problem with his eye, but he wasn't he, he wasn't blind in one eye. And 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 Coach Ula's press conference was you were you were you in no that? no okay. that was before well, my time. In Coach Ula's press conference uh, afterwards, one of the reporters asked him. He said, "Well, you were the fact this guy's blind in one eye." <laughs> Fast forward a year, we ended up taking Tim Bowens the next year with yeah, the first right, pick. Right. Tim Bowens had had a had gotten in some kind of a uh, he was either mowing a lawn or chopping a tree down and somehow caught off cut off some of his toes, so that came up in the in the and and Coach Shula kind of wittingly said, well yeah he said last year we took a blind guy this this year we took a guy with no toes, <laughs> both no, great picks by both, the way they were both no. really good picks uh, again that again Tim Bowens you know, OJ and Terry Kirby in '93 Tim Bowens and Tim Ruddy in '94. Right. And and again, you've got you know, Ruddy probably solid. had a pretty clean background check. I'm guessing Ruddy was uh, yeah. Ruddy, yeah. The only thing <laughs> I think the only thing they were worried about with Ruddy was was uh, he would learn the playbook in about a half hour <laughs> and be bored and, and be bored exactly. <laughs> yeah. So now with Timbo, Timbo right had some th- he had transferred from a junior college. I know there was an on field fight that people talk about where he uh, was taking some guys out. Were there things given that he was a first round pick? Because I'm I'm anticipating that, or I would imagine that you had to, like you said, you go 300, 600, 900 guys, but guys who were the top 20 that they had to consider, you probably had to really dig in. Well, especially in Tim's guy. With a wide stance. I I don't think, right. I I don't think Tim (laughs) went to the combine. So I don't, I don't think I got a chance to interview him at the combine, but I know we sent, I know that Coach Shula sent Joe Green to whatever that little town in Mississippi is that it's not Sparta. It's not the, in the heat of the night. It wasn't that city, (laughs) but, but a small city in in Mississippi. And, and I actually uh, called ahead and got a hold of a couple of cops that kind of patrolled Tim's area. And when they heard Joe Green was coming, they were like they couldn't believe it, so they they kind of you know gave gave uh, uh, Joe the information that and and I talked to him on the phone and I don't remember Tim you know being a you know a troubled kid coming out. However, Tim's first year, uh, if you remember, we uh, we get into training camp and and part of the thing back then was the rookies had to get up and sing their fight song, their college fight song. I actually got a break on that. I I went to Florida Atlantic, so so my first year we didn't have a uh, we didn't have a fight song. So I thought I was out of it, and then Don Strock made me get up and. I had to sing my high school uh, alma mater, <laughs> which, which fortunately I knew, and still, so do, still, and still do, and still do, by the way. Anyway, so Maybe so solo D's going to be out of business. So Tim, here. so Tim, Tim's not going to do any singing. He tells him he's not going to do any singing. So the veterans start messing with him. They take his equipment. He goes up to the to get a drink, and he comes back. His food's gone. Oh man! So so again, I'm I'm oh, taking boy. a uh, I'm taking an in between practice nap in my office, and the door flies open, and it's a very irate Coach Shula, and he wants to know how come I. I didn't know that Tim Bowens had left, had left the building. <laughs> and I mean, I said, well, what are you talking I mean, I, I was kind of half asleep. <laughs> and, and anyway, he says, uh, you know, you're supposed to know these things, you know, get your, go find them and get him back here. So I got a hold of Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, and, you know, Drew didn't know that Tim had left. Meetings had started, obviously, and that's where they realized Tim wasn't around. So uh, I find out from Drew where Tim was staying, and that was a shock to me. Drew, Tim's staying over in Sunny Isles in a building that if there were 
10 floors in the building and six condos on each floor. If there were 60 units there, I guarantee you Tim was the only African-American there. <laughs> this was a, a place where retired Jewish, Italian, Irish, everything but African-American. And Tim Bowens. And Tim, <laughs> Tim Bowens. <laughs> So I drive down there, met Drew over there. Drew Drew circled it up from North Miami Beach, met him down there. And, you know, Tim told us, he said, I'll give the money back. I'll give my sign-in bonus back. He said, I'm not I'm not having my equipment taken. I'm not having my food taken. He says, matter of fact, where I come from, you take a man's food, you die. And he wasn't smiling. <laughs> right. I bet. Right. So I called back, got Coach Hule on the phone. He talked to Tim. We, You know, Tim ended up coming back. You know, we had a meeting about it, you know, like a team meeting. Well, Tim wasn't in the team meeting. And Jeff Cross kind of lobbied. I think OJ lobbied for him, too. Irving Fryer was like the other end he was like you know we all go through this and all that which was you know but tim was different he again he he only played i think he only played like six varsity games exactly of, right not a lot football and and uh anyway so they they eased up on him and you know the rest is history and hey, i'm gonna tell you what after that nobody really wanted to mess with tim you know it, well, once it, they found anybody, out that like taking his food could result tim, in death it was like more of a group thing you can't mess with tim nobody messed with tim one-on-one tim was that dude man you know, and he, he earned his respect right away in that locker room. And that's uh deservedly yeah, so. absolutely. Well man. well I went to I went to Irving Fryer who I was very close with when he was here. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, Irving, I, listen, I get it. I understand what you're trying to do and all that. And I told him, I told him what Tim said. I said, yeah. you know, I said, he's just, you know, where he comes from, you take someone's food and, you know, either you're going to die or they're going to die. And, and I think Irving, you know, I don't think Irving was afraid of him, but right. I mean, at least after that, they kind of backed off. You on know him. what? Irving got at me too, my rookie year. You know, remember I got taped oh, up, yeah. thrown in the cold tub and yeah. Irving was the ringleader of all that. Yeah. You know, him and Tony Martin and Brian Cox and, you know, a couple other guys, man, they, they taped me up, threw me in the cold up, and Irvin was the only guy that I really wanted to get at. You know, I came in that locker. I was the only time I ever got, ever got fined. It was my rookie year. I was late to a meeting because they taped me up and threw me in the cold tub, and Irv was the guy. But after that, wow. you know, after I got in Irvin's face in that meeting, that was the last time they messed with me. You know, Danny made me do the fight song. I got that out of the way early. We talk about that <laughs> right. fight song. Yeah. I got, and you know what the funny thing about the fight songs too was like, it wasn't internet like it is now. Oh, no. You know, no. I was up all night on the phone, like my my room, trying to my learn hotel it. room, trying to learn the fight song. I couldn't find anybody that knew it, and it took a long time for it. It took like three days for Danny to even call me on it. But I knew it at that point. You were ready. But I was ready. Well, I I had made a suggestion. He uh, was still pissed. I I made a suggestion about that time that explaining that, you know, most guys didn't know their fight song. I mean, the only reason I knew New Orleans' alma mater was I went there. I went junior high and high. I went to the same school for six years. Not because he had a repeat grade. Oh, no, 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 no. no. It started off as a junior high. And then it just oh, added grades each year. No, I wasn't. I, I, I wasn't. But believe me, I was a two. I, I was only a two student, but I wasn't. I wasn't that dumb. <laughs> but my point being, I mean, a lot of guys. Did, so I said, why don't you just have them come up here and sing anything? Right. And they started doing that. You know, and and you just had to get up there and sing a song. And I, I think Tim would have done that. I think you know, you probably would have done whatever his favorite song was. But he didn't want to get up there and embarrass himself. Hey, we had a guy. We had a guy who now has. Uh, I think he has three sons that play in the NFL. Farrell Edmonds. Mm-hmm. But we had a tight end uh, named. Farrell Edmonds, who had a real bad stuttering problem. And he tried to get up there and sing his his fight song. And I mean, we felt bad for the guy, you know. Yeah, and these guys are ruthless in that locker room. There's well, no mercy in no, there. No, no. And and like I said, you know, again, you're bringing these guys in to help you win football games, whether they know their fight song or not. I mean, like, who cares? Let, let them get up there and sing sing whatever. And I think to Tim's defense, I think he played maybe one year at Ole Miss. Yeah, right? he, he did. Transfer, so he, he probably he played, didn't, he didn't hear, probably didn't hear that fight song one time. You could have put a million dollars in cash in front of Tim, and you could have said, sing the first verse of the fight song. He would not have known right. it. If he right. had taken it, though, I bet he'd still have that million dollars in his back pocket. You're listening to the Five Reason Sports Network. We've created a menu of intelligent and entertaining content on demand for commutes, workouts, and more. And by now, you're already familiar with the 15 different podcasts in our network. Today, we are proud to announce the premiere of our brand new website, FiveReasonSports.com. On it, you'll find columns from more than a dozen of our hosts, many who are professional writers in the market. Watch original videos from shows like Miami Heat Beat and Balls Cast. Browse our full merchandise shop. And unlike other outlets in the area, there's no paywall. Everything is absolutely free. All of this from a network that's credentialed from all five major sports teams in South Florida. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's free? We're by Miami for Miami. We're sports on your schedule. We're Miami Sports On Demand. We're the 5 Reasons Sports Network. 
Go to FiveReasonsSports.com today. So, Stu, give us an example of maybe a guy that, you know, you you looked into the background, came out crystal clean, like everything, it looked like a choir boy, and then he gets to the NFL and, and turns Well, in- fortunately, this wasn't one of our guys. Well, let, let me tell you, let me tell you one, though, where I actually, the only time in my, my time where the head coach really didn't believe my report, and, and again, I won't mention the coach's name, but I, again, I get called in, the entire draft room is, is full of scouts and coaches, and this one, and this is like the seventh round, and this guy was a... Uh, either was a, a, a transferred or a double transfer. And at the one school he had had, he had, he had failed several drug tests at the other school. He was involved in a strong arm robbery. So the strong, good prospect. Uh, yeah. The strong arm robbery, the head coach believed the failed drug test. He had called his buddy who was a coach at the school. And that coach had told him he'd only failed one drug test. The guy that I got my information from, was a former Dolphin coach who was now back in, in, and he had been the head coach of the school previously, Pat Jones, and he told me the guy definitely had flunked at least four or five drug tests. Jeez. Chris Greer, who was, was, I think he was in charge of college scouting, he then followed up and he talked to the strength coach there that he knew and he backed up what we knew that the guy had flunked. But if it hadn't been for that, that we probably would have taken this guy in the seventh round. He ends up falling through the draft. Nobody takes him. The Saints bring him in as a free agent, and he gets caught stealing. The weekend he's in, the weekend he's in for minicamp, he gets caught stealing out of another guy's pants pocket, and and they ended up cutting the guy <laughs> on the so team. That's one, Went that's right one into that his pocket. Where the, the head coach, for whatever reason, didn't believe my due diligence report. But but did you uh, make sure that that coach then saw when when the uh, story came out that this guy got for, uh, fortunately? You know, I did. But fortunately, he, he wasn't around the Dolphins very long. No, the coach wasn't. No. All right, we can, we can put two yeah. and two together there. But, or or but, one uh, and 15. Yeah, one and 15. But um, the Carolina Panthers in, I think it was 97 or 98, drafted a kid out of Colorado, a wide receiver. And as I remember, I remember interviewing him. I remember doing the background check on him. He did not have a overtime parking citation. This kid was really, really, really considered off the field what you're looking for. Well, he ended up getting convicted of a murder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, Ray Carruth. Ray, Ray yeah. Carruth. Wow. He ended up, you know, he ended up getting convicted. I think he just got uh, released. He from just prison. got released from prison. But he ended up, and I, I remember their security director, I was pretty close with, called me when all this was going on, and he asked me. He said that, you know, I said no. I said I, I would have, you know, I don't, I don't remember that was the year. I think we took you teal, so we weren't going to take take a guy in the second round too. Well, we ended up taking. Uh, that was the year we ended up getting the three third round picks. And Sam, we took Sam in the second round. Then we took uh, Brent Smith, Jason, and uh, Derek, Derek Rogers. Rogers. Another great draft, by the way. But anyway, anyway, uh, oh, and I think we took Ed Perry late in that draft, too. But anyway, uh, Carruth, again, he got with these guys, believe it or not, who washed cars at the at the Carolina facility, and they were supposed to... That's who the guys were? They were supposed to hit this girl. She was pregnant, and Ray didn't want... He didn't want to pay her. He wanted to to abort the baby, and he he didn't want to pay her, and he he was afraid his fiance would find out. So he hired these idiots to kill her, and he ended up riding with them, and I think he actually ended up pulling the trigger. Unbelievable. And and believe it or not, she died. The baby lived. The, the baby's still alive. And you're saying that he had a crystal clean, just his background. I don't background. remember him having anything, anything off the I mean, How do you even, wow. what's the predictor and something like right. that? Well, that there is that's no wild. There. So you're talking about parking citations in, in Colorado. I remember we drafted a defensive back by the name of Ben Kelly. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, not, not a guy who did a whole lot in the league, although fortunately for him, somehow landed on a on a New England Super Bowl winning team. But uh, ben, ben had a few parking citations. In, parking in, citations, then he also... Uh, <laughs> he also actually fell asleep in his car on the side of the road, and he got a DUI around the 4th of July that he actually, I, the attorney I was able to get for him, actually got him off. He actually got got off in the DUI. But this is, he got the DUI when he was here. with the team. Yeah, this was, this but was I, I remember when he came out, he had a history yeah. of parking issues. Yeah. At, and then there's a, there's a story the guys tell here where he... Had another situation, I guess. Well, he got a DUI, yeah, yeah where he whatever. stopped and asked for directions. He he had been drinking, stopped and asked an officer for direction, got out of the car, didn't put it in park, and the car. Well, that, I'm, I'm sorry, that's what that's what the DUI. It wasn't. Yeah. He he, hadn't, he didn't fall asleep. That's what the DUI was. Yeah, he, he got better off falling asleep. He, yeah, exactly. But, but he actually, actually, they they ended up reducing that to careless driving. Well, it was pretty careless. Right. I mean, yeah. that sounds like it's the right charge. But there's an example of a guy that uh, I guess he was exactly who we thought he was. Exactly, and, and you know, again, you. You mentioned uh, you mentioned we talked about 2001. The uh, player we ended up taking in that year was a, was a defensive back. Why I don't know because we had Pat and Sam, and obviously they were, in my opinion, the best cornerback tandem in the history of the Miami Dolphins. Without question, probably as good as 
history of anybody in the history of the NFL. And by the way, Sam just, who had been a high school coach, he's now coaching with the Chiefs, Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs. And Pat's done a great job as a head coach at, at American Heritage. You but go to a lot of his games, actually. I go, I split them up. I yeah. go to, we go to half the St. Thomas games and half of the uh, half of the uh, American Heritage games. But but anyway, uh, we we tra- we drafted a defensive back that year, and one of the first preseason games we had at halftime, they always bring food in for the equipment guys. Well, I'm not real big on, I was never big on eating during the game. And, and uh, so, I, but I was kind of hanging back there with the equipment guys and this, this number one draft pick comes walking back there and, and starts working on a hot dog. Well, I thought this was Ben <laughs> Kelly. No, 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 no. You're saying well, Fletcher. That, I, I think well, this was may, Ben maybe Kelly. Maybe I got yeah. the story. Maybe I got the story wrong. Maybe maybe it was a year before. I, I thought I thought that was Jamar that, did, that actually did that. I don't you, know. You might be right. I th- we got to get it was Sam in here. For but that. but, uh, <laughs> but in, anyway, well, whoever it was, Sam happened to be walking through. Yeah. And noticed that that uh, that the hot dog was being consumed, and this guy was starting the second half. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it was maybe it was Ben Kelly, and Sam ended up knocking the hot dog out of, out of the guy's hand. <laughs> yeah, the hot dog story is legendary. I love it. I love it. Oh, that is too funny. But <laughs> no predictor for that one either. You know, again, again, you look at those guys. I mean, those guys obviously ended up not being very productive with with the Dolphins. But but again, you look at you look in those four years that, that Jimmy was here. Although Fletcher wasn't actually Jimmy, that was that was after Jimmy was gone. And and you look at the defense he built up. And uh, again, it was an ass kicking defense. Yeah. It's just a shame that if if Dan could have strung out maybe another maybe four more years, and and Jimmy say would have stayed instead of instead of just leaving. Twenty one years is a long ass time. Though I mean that's, that's well Tom Brady's probably going to play thirty one but yeah right. but but say 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 Jimmy say Jane could have played two more years and Jimmy would have stayed on as the general manager the, you know, was in charge of all the you know all, all the acquisitions right. you know again we we still might might have got the thing right may have. I don't know, it's, but it's it's an interesting process. And I have one last question, one last guy I wanted to ask you about, and he was a guy that we talked about here in the tank. So we had Troy Stratford on, who I think you just ran into earlier yep. today. So we had Troy on, and Troy, you know, he had an amazing rookie season, uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and uh, thought that he had put together a pretty good career. And then the Dolphins draft a running back out of I don't know what it is about the running backs, right. Juice. We've had a tough time with running backs down here, but we drafted Sammy Smith. All right. And Sammy had some on the field issues, but then yeah. he later had some off the field well, issues. Well, again, Sammy's a good example of, of a guy we drafted. Didn't have a, he, he was from Apopka, a, a Florida. Didn't have a, a, a lick of any, any, any off the field issues when we drafted him. That's what I was wondering. <clears throat> obviously, obviously, later on, he ended up doing some time for, for selling drugs. But, but it, it was, I remember the first day we actually drafted Lewis Oliver that same year. We had somehow had two number one draft picks. And uh, I remember the first time I saw Sammy, we were getting ready for practice, a, a mini camp practice, and he's standing with his shirt off. And I thought, oh my God, I mean, this guy really, you know, really look, looks the look. But again, I mean, you know, for whatever reason, he he just didn't, you know, didn't make enough plays. He, he fumbled a lot. And, uh, and, and you know, you know, you know Troy Strand I think the only reason we were even considering a back with the first pick that year, I think Troy had tore his knee up the year before. He did. And, and you know, to be honest with you, back then, coming back from a major knee, if, if, you, if you tore them all, if you tore the ACL, the MCL, the PCL, is that all of them? That's <laughs> enough of them, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you tore yeah. all of them, that's a hell of an injury all, right there, Stu. Usually didn't come back. No. Usually didn't come back, uh, you know, better than ever. And, but Troy was pretty. He was still pretty bent out of shape yeah, about he was. Sam. He well, was, well, and, and but he he seemed to think, Stu, that that Sammy was actually dealing drugs even while he was playing for the Dolphins. It may have been. So that's, I, I'm and, and I'm not asking no. you, but, but uh, what I was wondering is what the background check, you know, and you said he came Sammy, up clean. Sammy's, uh, uh, Sammy had an uncle that he was very close to up in Apopka, and as I recall, he was the he was kind of the Tony Montana of that of Apopka, area, Florida, uh, of, the, of, the, of the drugs. But I don't remember Sammy. Well, I definitely wasn't arrested, and I don't remember Sammy ever – being linked to the uncle, except for the fact that he probably gave Sammy money when needed sure. uh, up at Florida State. Yeah, well, I'll tell you another inter- inter- interesting thing about Sammy, which which totally shocked me, was how bad his pass receiving was coming out of the backfield. Which again, if you're taking a guy for the Dolphins, that you know you got Dan Marino, and and this isn't Dan Marino in 1999. This is Dan Marino, first That's team right. All Pro yes. every year right. in 1989. Why would you take a guy that, that has? And he did. He, he had trouble. He got better at it, but he had trouble catching the ball, you know, coming out of the backfield. And Coach Sula saw him with his shirt off. Well, too, no, well, and also, also, I found out later. No, no, Coach Sula told me they didn't throw the ball to him right. at Florida State. They had no they, film they just, on it. No, they they really didn't. They they didn't throw the ball to him. And I guess I guess he got by in his drills up at the combine. You know, uh, two years later, Coach Sula actually traded him to the Denver Broncos for Bobby Humphrey, and and. <laughs> 
you know, Bobby Humphrey, when he got here, he it was perfect because he could, again, he could run and he could catch. And He had some background issues, though. Well, later. Later he did. Yeah. yeah. He, he actually, uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute, but outstanding coming out of the backfield. And, and honestly, I thought of, of my time here, my 34 years here, I thought my best chance of a team getting to the Super Bowl was that year, that 92 season, and then 94. 94 with, with OJ and Fryer and Ingram and and. Dan was still Dan, yep. Aaron Craver. I, you know, I, I thought we had a shot. But my point being, you know, Bobby, at the end of the season, Bobby goes back. Bobby was from the Columbus, Georgia, Phoenix, Phoenix City, Alabama area. And within about a two-week period, Bobby gets either got shot or stabbed in the leg and got arrested. So, it's a bad combination for then, your starting running back. And never played another down in the NFL. He he ended up, he was done. He actually became a uh, became an ordained minister. And his son, he has a son now that's um, a top defensive back for the Baltimore Ravens. He no kidding. At, uh, Marlon, Marlon Humphrey. I had no idea. Bobby's son, yeah. Yep. I had no idea. Well, Stu, we greatly appreciate it. Man, I think no all man. eyes are going to be on, <laughs> right, this weekend, all eyes are going to be on what the Dolphins are going to do. Uh, it's an exciting time for, for fans down here. Uh, this is kind of the time of the year where we actually get yeah, to be excited yeah. about stuff. But it's really interesting to hear some of those background stories, and we appreciate you sharing some well, time with us. Well, I'm glad to do it. And like I said, I, I've, got, uh, I've, I've known Chris Greer since I think Chris got here in either Jimmy's last year or Dave's first year. And I, I'm telling you, this guy, he's an evaluator, and more importantly, he's a leader. Leader. And he's a quiet guy. He's not a real vocal guy. But eventually, he's going to get this thing rolling. He's going to get it. I mean, look at our draft the last couple of years that he's been in charge of. And it's been pretty solid. And, and again, the number one pick last year, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, again, he's this kid is going to be a hell of a football player. Yeah. And if people will be patient, and when I say people, I mean people inside and outside the organization will be patient. Chris Greer is going to get this thing going. And, and again, uh, if you're going to beat the Patriots, you know, take somebody from the Patriots. Well, we hope you're right, right, Stu. We definitely <laughs> hope right. you're right about that one. But thank you again for coming out, sharing these Anytime. stories, and, and digging into the vault. Thanks for diving in, Stu. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, OJ, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. dog fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when we dive up in that fish tank, Okay, this one for them diehards Celebrate big or cry hard Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard Old school, a new school, mix it in Feeling like we up close when we listening Dolphins Tales, in Miami is the deep end We vibing with our favorite players, no secret We get with Seth and McDuffie Bringing up stories we never heard to the public Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject You know it's all about them fans And if you ready for that water, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive in fish tank Go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank